Welcome to Resilient Entrepreneurs, the podcast where we speak with business owners and entrepreneurs from all around the world and from all walks of life in the hopes that something new here will leave your business a little richer. We're your co-hosts, Vicky and Laura from Two for One Branding, supporting entrepreneurs as they launch their business to market. It's our favorite thing to do. Well, aside from chatting with our fascinating guests on this show, it's our favorite thing to do. And if listening to the show is one of your favorites and a highlight of your week, please subscribe to whichever platform you are listening or watching on right now, and you'll be notified of the next great episode. Today, we're chatting with Ben Kirk, who will share his blueprint for entrepreneurs. His secret ingredient is what he calls the minimum viable dose method. And we're looking forward to unpacking that. Ben's expertise is in productivity, routine setting, and accountability. And today we think you may be able to answer this question for yourself after this episode. The question is, are your habits holding you back from being an effective entrepreneur? Welcome, Ben. G'day, glad to be here. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm really looking forward to a conversation about habits. <laughs> That's something yeah. <laughs> we talk about a lot and something we're always trying to improve on. And I think it's really important for entrepreneurs to be thinking about these types of things. So with that said, however, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you before we go into what you do and how you help people mm -hmm. um, in the entrepreneurial space. So tell us a little about you and your entrepreneurial journey. We did have a little quick moment off camera when we were talking about your first entrepreneurial experience. So would you please share with the audience a little bit more about that? Actually, I haven't talked about it so much, but uh, my first real entrepreneurial experience was as a busker. I was a quite a small young lad and I played a huge instrument called a euphonium. It's a, it's a tenor tuba. It's like a small tuba. And I had a mate of mine that played tuba. I, I also played some other instruments. I played trumpet and trombone as well. And one of my teachers had the great idea. He goes, oh, you guys, are, you guys, you young, young fellas are pretty cute with these big brass instruments. Why don't you uh, head down to the mall over Christmas and see uh, how much money you can make? So we did all these sort of Christmas carols and a, and a bunch of other tunes. And uh, it ended up being more than just a Christmas thing. We ended up doing it years year on and um, um, I'm sure buskers don't mind us telling how much we, we made but uh, we're making about $2,000 a year in change and this is back in the early 90s from from our busking. The guys busking with is still one of my best mates today. Uh, we still catch up, uh, still talk about some of the old stories. His name was BJ or Brett. My name was uh, BJ or Ben and then uh, John and um, so we're called the BJs. That's what got us going and, and I guess that first lesson was using our talents what can we do with them and, and and getting paid for it and we loved it it was like practicing as well we're getting better chops we're we're learning things while we're out there a few scary stories from time to time of people trying to steal our money and stuff like that that happens um, but also some lovely people that come by and they'll drop in 50 dollars or something like that and really make our christmas I guess that kind of started the journey and it's been yeah quite uh, long and varied from there Wow, that is so brave. I can't even imagine. As a kid, I was the shy one and I would have been terrified of doing something like that. I think that must have given you a lot of experience in talking to people. Like how oh, and, yeah. or just kind of being in front of people and that sort of experience has to be impactful to today. Do you feel like that played a part of like what you do now? 100%. So I was quite shy. I also had a stutter at the time as well. And being out in front of people, I always want to be a, be a, um, a jazz musician. And so that 
being out there in front of crowds all the time really just conditioned me for what it was like to be to to, to perform and, and and be in front of just random people all the time. And then, of course, once we stop, people want to have a chat about what we do. And, oh, you guys are so cute. And do you have a recording? Do you have any tapes? That, that sort of thing. But it definitely conditioned me for uh, my work later in life and even what I do now. I was being in front of groups of people, being able to perform, being able to turn it on when you need to. And, and that, that certainly... Like I said, it, it was practice and it was certainly practice to being later a jazz musician for a period of my life. Oh, tell us more about the jazz musician career sector. Yeah, it, it was a reasonably short career. It's hard to earn uh, good money as a jazz musician. Uh, there's no doubt about that, uh, particularly one that isn't, I wasn't brilliant. I was, probably had some talent, but I didn't practice enough. So when I talk about habits, practicing and, and, and routines and that sort of thing was probably not my strong suit. I was able to... We have a saying now where it's called it's called cuff it. I was, I was able to, I had sight reading. So I was able to jump up and perform and pretty much read something for the first time and be able to perform it to probably about 80 or 90% level. I never really polished that final 10%. I just was able to sort of jump up and do and do what I did, which did help in session work and and, and stuff like that. Worked as a, as a jazz musician for a few years, supplemented that as a, as a teacher. I was lecturing uh, in commercial music. Actually, one of the youngest lecturers at the time, I was 19, and that taught me a lot as well. Speaking in front of large groups of people, probably had up to 50 students in the lecture hall when I was lecturing commercial music. Uh, so that was huge lessons taken from that and also performing at the same time and and um, jamming with these guys and stuff. But I did choose to leave that. Uh, I had an opportunity to go overseas for six months on a bit of a backpacking journey. I travelled with my trombone, played in gigs around Europe. Uh, I just sort of found my way, slept on some park benches uh, a few times and I couldn't find somewhere to live. I didn't have enough money. But that's, uh, there's you know, tons of lessons in there about meeting new people, being able to talk to just random people you meet on the train and making friends and all that sort of stuff. So I did it alone and that really forced me to get outside of my comfort zone. So I didn't go over there with the intention for that, but that's sort of one of the lessons I took from it. Got a, got a taste of being overseas, came back to Australia, did some stuff with Apple, met my wife who's Swedish and went over to Sweden for 10 years. And that's where I did a bulk of, I guess, of my adult style career. Did some gigging and playing still with the, with the music, but went on a whole lot of other entrepreneurial journeys. I had a building company. I started with renovations. I also helped international startups for a bit, but I actually went over there as a personal trainer. So I studied to be an Aussie personal trainer in Australia, went over there as the Aussie personal trainer. So that sort of carried on through a lot of that time in Sweden. I went full circle there, did some personal training before coming back to Australia. And then my quals had expired in Australia. So getting around into sort of the, the using those co that coaching experience, that business experience, I got an opportunity to work with Brian Tracy, who wrote Eat That Frog and, well, about 70 other books and worked with him. And he taught me uh, so much on a corporate training, on goals, on habits, on routines, on no excuses, on all that sort of stuff. And then they also have another training company or, or coaching company called Focal Point Coaching. And so I joined them and have worked with them since they taught me what I know about business coaching, executive coaching, high-performance coaching, and I've distilled that into that my minimal viable dose. I don't do the hour-and-a-half sessions anymore. I do 15-minute sessions, and that's the accountability sessions, and that's what sort of brought me, well, we've just covered 15, 20 years, really, but uh, to where we are today. 
That was an incredible list. I was like, I'm trying to keep track. Your LinkedIn profile must be nuts. I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I had to cut out the things of like working as a night guard for a hotel for a period, then rollerblading to my first work uh, at the gym. Meanwhile, then over lunchtime, I went to be a, an English as a second language teacher, then went back to the gym again to train some more clients, and then went back to work as an overnight guard again for a hotel and then summer jobs as a, as a laborer. So, yeah, I've cut out a fair, a fair bit of that. <laughs> That's why I love talking to entrepreneurs because if anybody thinks the entrepreneurial journey is like you have this idea and you end up with this thing and this is your life career, like it no. does not ever go that way. It goes no, all it does these not. wonderful, amazing directions, which what lands you into something you can be so passionate about because you explored so mm. many different things traveling and, and mm. living in different countries and different types of jobs and it's it's pretty cool it's pretty awesome to to hear your journey phenomenal so tell us more <laughs> about like, this 15 minute coaching thing because i find that fascinating how do you do a coaching session in 15 minutes yeah uh we've got a bit of technology to, to support us uh, we have built an app but i'll get to that later with with my coaching sessions, working with with executives, I just realized that so much of what we did at the beginning is what I call the BS fluff and waffle, that we're just talking about, we're just talking around things, talking about things. And yes, sometimes we can get transformational and I still do longer sessions when we're really trying to break through something. Maybe we're really setting our goals for the quarter or something like that. But I realized at the end, the last 15 minutes is where we start talking about next steps and actions. But then so much would start coming out of that, the next step. So is that really your next step? Is that the very next thing you need to do to get the momentum and get the ball rolling? And then those last 15 minutes could end up being 30 minutes or saying, well, we're trying to get down to the nitty gritty. So I'll just cut out all the other stuff. I give them resources. I give them reading lists. We have sort of our planning sessions and our strategic sessions that set up the quarter and the year. But now it's just that 15 minutes and people come prepared. We've got the app where they have a form basically to fill out. It, it's got multiple sort of what I call success markers in there. They rate themselves over that. They also then review their week. So I, I try to really simplify things. You may well have also read the book, The One Thing. Uh, what is that one thing that's going to needle move the needle the most for your business? And I've sort of taken away from that a little bit of course eat that frog was had a big impact on me and so we look at the three main things like i call it the main effort and two supporting efforts there's another way i communicate it with my clients we have something that we must do today we have two things that we need to do today we have one thing that we want to do today and then for the sort of the positivity side we have one thing that we get to do today so we break it into so this is part of our daily planning ritual or routine, I guess. But all these things go into the app. We ask questions, what, what went well? What could you have done better? What were your time wasters? What were your obstacles? And did you do these three main things? And then they plan into the app as well. What are the three main things next week? What lesson can we take from the, from the week before? And what can I, as your coach, help you with the most? They do this every week on a, on a Friday afternoon often, and they get a reminder on a Sunday if they don't do it. And then we have, like, have the calls on Mondays or, or Tuesdays. It comes prepared. I review that before the coaching session. I know what worked and what didn't. I know what they're going to question me. I can prepare that. And then 15 minutes, we jump into it and we get straight down to the nuts and bolts. And I will call them out. If they didn't do their main task, it's like, well, what was your excuse? So they go, no, it was a reason. The, 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 dog, the dog was sick or I had to do this. I do that. No, no, that's not a reason, mate. That's an excuse. 
Let's talk about why this occurred and what you're going to do better next time to make sure you don't keep pushing your important tasks off for the next week. Because that's what's got you in the position that you're at now where you're not doing things that you said you were going to do a year ago. You haven't launched that new product line. You haven't done that, that new side business if you're an entrepreneur or anything like that. Let's make sure we're doing those steps that are moving forward. And they're those important tasks that often get pushed off. I'll just hold their feet to the flames. I might crack the whip. I'm not afraid to do that. Have those direct conversations. So that's the minimum viable dose coaching is that we just get straight down to it, but we're prepared in advance. And I'm teaching my clients the number one success habit that I've seen is this ability to do a weekly review. Not just that, we can do the daily review as well, our daily planning and our evening wind down routine and planning and reflection. But the weekly is that sort of minimum viable dose that they need to do, a weekly review of what worked this week and what lessons are we going to take and apply to the week after. And that's what it all comes down to. And then the accountability side, well, that's precisely what I do. I hold their feet in the flames. And they've got me to give a few leadership tidbits that I have, done a bit of leadership stuff and a bit of business stuff. I'm not that businessy. You can often talk about their marketing, their sales and stuff like that as well. Okay, so Ben... What do you do with procrastinators? <laughs> really try to uncover why is that reason that they're procrastinating? What is that fear that they've got? What's holding them back? There's so many reasons for procrastinating, though. There's, there's, there's the overwhelm. There's the not having clarity on what your very next step is. So you've got the fear-based procrastination, but then you've got this, this, this lack of clarity. And that's where the questioning comes in. That is where I've got little methods of called brain dump methods, whether it's just brain dump into a to-do list that can be prioritized or into the Eisenhower matrix or into some other sort of methods that we use, just get everything out there and then start to work out what the next steps are. But just asking, like a lot of people talk about time blocking and they'll block out two hours of time to work on their marketing. Okay, great. And when they get there, they're like, oh, I've got my two hours from nine o'clock to 11 o'clock, but I don't really know where to start. There's so much marketing stuff that I want to do. What we do before we even set the time block, we talk about what is that very first thing that you're going to do in that time block. And you write it in there in your calendar, right? The Don't just write time block marketing, right? I am going to open up my most recent email that I sent out, or I'm going to open up my email drafts. I'm going to work out which draft I'm, I'm going to produce, or is it, I'm just going to call five people, or, or it might even be go into this list and pull out these five names and call these five, what, five people. What is that very first step? And we put that in our time blocks. And that just sort of procrastination is the gap between the state that we're currently in and what we know that we need to do and taking and taking action on that. And if that step is too big, that's where the procrastination seeps in. If we can shorten that step so the next time you sit at your desk to do something, you know exactly what it is you need to do and you can start work on it. And I, I talk about sort of situational environments. So at the moment, I've got a stand-up desk. Uh, this is where I do all my calls. This is where I'm standing up. I can be more energetic. But when I'm doing my strategic planning, I've got a really nice uh, couch just there that I'll sit down, I'll put my laptop on my lap, and I'll do some strategic planning there. That's where I'll do my review. I don't do it at my stand-up desk. My stand-up desk is for turning on. And so when I do that, I go into a mode and also know what that very first step is when I go into that mode as well. So it's things like that that I've used to sort of beat that procrastination myself and certain little tips like that which really help uh, reduce that gap between thinking and being strategic about what you want to do and when you're actually going to take action on it. Yeah, so I'm hearing a lot of detail, a lot of detail. Like we have to pay attention to detail. Yeah, that's where the clarity comes from. We all have ideas. 
we all have great big grand ideas and sometimes they're almost untouchable because they are so big, so grand or so far away. We need to try to bring it back down to boots on the ground level, um, not just always up there in that 30,000 feet. Uh, Brian Tracy said that never leave the, the, the situation or the environment that you're planning in without taking an immediate next step towards the first action that's going to step that that's going to get that going. Yeah, of course, he said it much more eloquently than me because Brian Tracy does that. He's, he's, he's just amazing with that stuff. Yeah, don't leave the environment of your planning before taking an immediate step or action or at least putting, as I say now, in your time block what that immediate step is. Cut down that time. I hear you said in there a couple of things, a strategy and planning. What role do mm. you think uh, strategy plays in business success? Uh, yeah, it's probably more sort of on that one year, three year, five year, 10 year, 50 year sort of overall plan, maybe a bit of your North Star, something along those lines, broad strokes, understanding where you want to go, sort of talk about your high level goals there. The important thing when I do the strategy sessions with uh, my clients, that is typically yearly, but we'll, we'll talk right out to three, five, five years. The planning side of it is when, okay, we're working out what those actions might be for our quarter. So yeah, we can do quarterly strategy, quarterly planning, but we're working out what, where do we want to see ourselves at the end of this 90-day period? Most of my clients, uh, clients sign on for a 90-day period. So I, I open up in the beginning of January and then I close and then I open up again in the beginning of, of April. We have that very clear 90-day period. And then we'll plan out those 90 days. We might even go monthly, weekly, sometimes daily. That's when we start talking about the habits and routines you need to do daily to move the needle. But there's a real, you know, I try to think of a real step from the strategy into the actual planning. And so when you're, like I mentioned before, you don't leave the environment. If you've got a strategic environment, let's put some little bones down for the planning side. When you're in that planning environment, okay, let's get nitty gritty on what those next steps are from there. Start putting the dates in. Which week are we going to do that? How's that going to look at the end of the month? The weekly review that you talked about as being the number one success habit, in your opinion, it sounds like yes. it's one of those habits that you're advocating. What other habits do you hold in high esteem? Sleeping habits, good sleeping habits. So our, our success markers talk about winning the day or winning the week. It talks about health, sleep and fitness, productivity, motivation, um, routine, and then also capacity. So are we working 50 hours a week? Therefore, we're at 100%, 120% capacity and looking at all, all those particular markers. So we focus in on those. Of course, habits tied into every single one of them. But I look at routines as being just habits that are stacked. And so when we look at a weekly review routine, when are we going to do it? What's the right time for us to do it? Are we winding down to the day? Is this when we get our afternoon coffee and we're going to sit down and we're going to start to do our planning? So that's how we stack that habit into actually winding up the week. In so many cases, you get to the end, get the end of Friday or four o'clock on a Friday, like, oh, I'm, I'm ready to go home. I don't want to even think about the next week. So how do we build that habit into before we leave the office on a Friday? Let's, oh, you can clean your desk. That's always nice to come back to a clean desk on a Monday. But how do we wrap up the week and start putting some steps towards next week? Then we can put it in a box and hopefully enjoy our weekend or hopefully enjoy our Friday night or something like that. So that's a habit. And then I, I look at how are we going to lock that into an our afternoon routine on a Friday? It might be a thing about you know, getting your coffee. It might be some other trigger that, that we look at. Yes, my app sends email reminders to them, but hey, what happens if you've got an email inbox or 50 emails and you've got something that's feeling really, really urgent? Well, Ben's uh, win the day uh, uh, form might get pushed to Sunday. So how do we build the habit 
around actually taking care of that and whether that's even on a, on a Friday, Friday afternoon, having less than 10 emails in your inbox. It depends on what people's priorities are. So I try to link them together. Uh, I did mention sleep habits, super important. I could just go on and on about sleep, about sleep cycles, about wind down routines, about morning routine. What's, what's really important about sleep, it's, I get on a little bit of a soapbox about it because we all hear about if you want to be successful, you've got to get up at 5 a.m. And you know what? Actually, getting up at 4.30 a.m. is even better than getting up at 5 a.m. And I ask the question, well, but why do we need to get up at 5 a.m.? Are, are we not being productive enough throughout the day that all of a sudden we need to extend our day to 20 hours so we can get more done? I think there's a few little things we might need to unpack there if that's the case. But at the same time, there are absolutely benefits of getting up early. So jazz, jazz musician days, I was a night owl. We didn't start gigging until 11 o'clock at night. So my whole lifestyle was based from 11 o'clock till 1 a.m., 2 a.m., sleep in till 10 a.m., something like that. Then I became a personal trainer. When do people like to train in the gym? It's normally about 6.30 in the morning. Mm. So you got to get up early to do that. Then I was a tradie. Yep, tradies start nice and early as well. Of course, being a night guard threw a lot of that stuff out of whack and I was very sleep deprived over that period. And at that same period, I also had three kids under three as well. So talk about sleep deprivation. But that started me really thinking about how to understand sleep, how to get my own sleep patterns right so I don't lay down on the pillow and have all this stuff buzzing around my head, monkey mind. I can't sleep. I've got too many ideas. What routine can we put in place to get all that stuff out? That's where the brain dump stuff comes into, into play. But let's just get that out so that we are able to sleep comfortably, do a nice wind down, be calm, get a full sort of I say about seven and a half hours sleep. People say between six and eight hours. I look at from sleep cycles. Everyone's got different sleep cycles. If you're not tracking it, track it. There's a, on the Apple Watch, I've got sleep cycle. It tells me um, when I've got my peaks and troughs in my sleep, when I'm in a deep sleep, it won't wake me up when I'm in a deep sleep. It does an automatic sort of calculation there so that I always wake up at the top end of my sleep cycle. I've worked out that I perform best on about five sleep cycles. My first sleep cycle is about two hours long. Then it goes about one hour. Sometimes my last sleep cycle is about one hour long. But on average, they're about one and a half hours. So seven and a half hours is five hour sleep cycles for me. I know I work well. I can do four hour sleep cycles. I'm not going to do six and a half hours because I'm going to wake up in a deep sleep. I'm already back in my fifth sleep cycle. So I'll set my watch to wake me up on six hours, four sleep cycles, feeling pretty good. Not 100%, but I can certainly get on with the day. Sleep cycles are, of course, controlled by what did you do throughout the day? How much coffee did you have? Did you train today? When did you train? Was it the morning? Was it the afternoon? Was it the evening? What did you eat for dinner? Did you have alcohol with your meal? That's going to throw your sleep cycle out. All those sort of things play into it. And, hey, all those things are habits as well, right? So we delve into the habits on, on what we do. What do we do throughout the day? Is training a habit? Is what we eat at dinner a habit? Is, having, is cracking a couple of tinnies? Uh, after dinner or after work, a habit. How do we need to sort of look at these things and, and change them for what our goals are? If our goals are to wake up early or get a good seven and a half hours sleep, you're going to have to change some of that stuff. If that's what you want to be a high performer throughout the day and achieve what you want to achieve, you have to change some stuff. Um, yeah, I like my red wine. I don't, don't mind having the occasional beer, but I know how it's going to affect me. I'm so fascinated about this stuff. I really interested in it more and more because I have not figured out the balance of sleep yet for myself. And I want to figure out how to do more of that tracking of, of the sleep habits. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate that tip. And I'm going to look into more of those as well so that I can get more into better habits. 
We've been focusing on habits a lot lately, which is why we're really looking forward to this conversation with you about it, because we just read Atomic Habits, which is a classic, mm. it's not that classic. to be considered yeah. a classic, but it is a really important mm. business development book that everyone should read because he talks on, um, James Clear talks about the 1% improvement yep. and just that yep. the exponential factor of that over time is, is the key. Yeah. So sleep huge. What else is super important for entrepreneurs, especially because habits, routines mm. are really hard for entrepreneurs, especially in the early days to get figured out. Mm -hmm. What would you say would be the next most important thing to sort of get habit stacking on? I'll address that in a, in, in a couple of ways. First of all, Power of Habit is another book by Charles Duhigg, which was probably about 20 years ago. And then we had, I think, Tiny Habits in, in, in there as well. Now, I think that James Clear really built upon what was established. And I think he actually gave credit as well to Charles, Charles Duhigg in the, in the Power of Habit. And that 1% stuff is so important. I talk about it all the time. What is that 1% that's going to make the biggest difference for you? What is that one thing you need to do that's going to move the needle the most for you? I, I certainly delve into that deep with my clients as well to, to uncover what is that one thing you need to do that's going to move the needle the most. And when it comes down down to the, the habits, the, um, the way we are habit stacking, I think he even had a quote, um, and, and I, I, I use it as well, uh, incremental improvements generating exponential results. Uh, and that's something that I've started to really adapt as my tagline. And say I've got a client who's in sales. We work out that in sales, yes, you need to have leads. Okay, let's make sure our marketing guys are taking care of that. What's the next you need to do? You need to call your leads, man. You need to call your leads. And so many salespeople, you know, they might have an objective to call maybe 30 leads in the week. Monday, something happened. They didn't, they didn't call them Monday or Tuesday. Or, no, Tuesday mornings aren't a good day to call leads. I might do that on Tuesday afternoon. But I have a saying that we always do the most important thing first in the morning because the afternoons will inevitably turn to crap. So... Let's do the most important things in the morning. So then, okay, well, maybe I'll do it Wednesday morning. Then, oh, look, this week's already right off. We're gonna we're gonna push it away. So, how can we incorporate calling ten people a day or five people a day and build that into a habit? Well, the first thing I deal with people is they say, well, uh, I've got to call twenty people a day. I've got to call twenty people a day. How, how I'm going to generate myself? Like, Great, mate, fantastic. When was the last time that you called twenty people a day? I did that on the last day of the month, last month, because I needed to get my sales. Yeah, okay, well done. But when was the last time they did it consistently? Or well, I've never done it consistently. Okay, great. Well, why don't we start with 10 sales? When was the last time that you called 10 people a day consistently? Oh, I've never done that either. Okay, well, let's start with five. Let's start with five calls a day and build that into a habit. Get the success on those five. As Jerry Seinfeld um, said, don't just don't break the chain. Let's just start that at five. Now, so many people are like, oh, five's not going to be enough. Five's not going to be enough. As well, actually, last week you only did 10 calls total. If we do five calls for three days this week, we're already ahead of the game. So in many cases, we'll even drop that back to three. Let's just hit three calls a day consistently. Great. You can overperform. You're feeling the vibe. You're feeling you're in the, in the right zone. Yeah, sure. Do five, do more. We've just got to get that ball rolling. We've just got to make that first call. And then the second's easier. And then the third's easier. So as far as the habit stacking goes, it's just break it down in that minimal vial dose and set the routine and the habit in place. When you've strung together two weeks of five calls a day or three calls a day, let's pump it up to five. Some people go, no, no, I'm going to do 10 now. Okay, great. We try that for a week. They don't hit their 10. They feel really bad about it. They're like, oh, I failed. I'm a failure as a salesperson. And then we have another chat about, okay, let's just go back to five. 
Let's just get that consistency on the five. Then when we're ready, we might go six, we might go seven. By the span of a couple of weeks, a couple of months, they've done so many, much, so much higher volume of calls than what they used to do or what the other salespeople are doing, that that's where that 1% in incremental improvement comes in, that the habits, the stacking, the building upon it, then before they know it, they're doing 10 a day, they feel great about it. It's just who they are. They identify as a salesperson who can easily call 10 people a day. And by making those habits such a big part of our lives and our routine, we start identifying as that kind of person. I ask my, my, my clients that want to lose weight, you need to identify as someone who trains every day or somebody who does some sort of activity every day, identify as that sort of person. It might be a 20-minute walk. It might be a 10-minute walk. Let's start with that. Identify as that person that does that 10 minutes a day. Now you start telling your friends, hey, I'm a, I'm, I'm a person. I, I do some sort of activity every, every day. Great. Let's lift it 15 minutes, 20 minutes, right. Now maybe we can do a jog or maybe we start to go to the gym or something like that. And so I think that all sort of tie, ties them in together with what we've learned from James Clear and Atomic Habits and also sort of how we're able to put it into practice in an entrepreneurial sort of style as well. I really enjoy, uh, Ben, how you bring your personal trainer experience and personality to your business coaching and entrepreneurial support. I'm really enjoying this. And uh, one of the things we talk about often is failure. And what you've just described makes me feel that failure is really not even, I'm not even going to say it's not an option. It's just not a thing when you're just doing little bits every day and then building on it. Like how does one fail with that system? I don't, I don't believe you could. But that said, I did want to ask you about your mindset on failure and what you think of it, either from your personal training perspective or otherwise. Well, from a personal training perspective, we, we lift weights to failure. The only time that our muscles are going to stretch enough and that are going to grow enough is when we fail on that rep. We don't want to do bad failures where you pull your elbow joint out or something like that, but it's when you can't do one more rep. You've depleted all the muscle fibers uh, are there, all, all the energy is gone, and that is when your muscles are going to start to grow because you've torn the muscle fibers, and when they build up again, when you're eating the right food and you've got enough protein, they're building up stronger. I think there's your perfect analogy for failing as an entrepreneur, right? We need to be able to do that because it's going to grow us. It's going to make us stronger. And if we can look at it from that perspective, there, there's our phase. I mean, I've failed so many times in business. I've got bad beat stories that we can speak for the next two hours about. But if we look at it from that sort of perspective, it's like, hey, I've taken something away from it. I'm not making that mistake again. I'm going to partner with these other people next time. I'm going to ask these additional questions when I partner with people again to make sure they're not that kind of person or I'm not going to throw everything into one basket necessarily. I'm not going to do the whole burn your ships thing. I'm going to cap my downside, as, as Tim Ferriss says. Uh, so that analogy of, of muscle growth, I think, comes perfectly into entrepreneurial uh, ventures and and failure and and growing and overcoming and being resilient. Uh, and that all just ties together, right? Yeah, perfectly. And what about success? How do you define a success? When I talk about success with people, it starts to become a bit of a bad word sometimes, right? Because success is where you see your Instagrammers with their Ferraris and their Lamborghinis and their big, amazing houses and their lifestyle and they're traveling around the world all the time. And maybe they've got their private jets and stuff. And it was like, well, that's success. 
we can start to go into the statistics of actually how many of them actually have that all, all the statistics as well maybe they've got some insecurity somewhere or do you want to go into the, the the studies on how many relationships break up with people that have reached that level of success as well so there's a whole lot of avenues you, you can go down there but success i think and part of the whole win the day idea is that we just want to win the day let's win the day today there's our success one step towards success one step of success we, we win the week we aim to win the month. We aim to win the quarter. And that's the sort of ongoing success that is stepping one step after the other. And then maybe we have a, a North Star that, that we're aiming towards. Maybe we don't hit it. Maybe we're making sure we're a bit more balanced with our relationships. Maybe we're balancing how much time we put into the family and, and the work. Let's not be uh, susceptible and be driven by these images of success that we're constantly being fed. And let's work out what our own personal success is. What is enough for you? Is living mortgage-free and being able to choose whatever you want to do, is that enough? Sure, maybe the house is only $500,000. Maybe it's a $2 million house. I don't need to have that $10 million house down the road on the beach. What, what is enough to sort of fulfill our lifestyle and make sure that we're able to tick those boxes and those goals that we have? And when I go through my, my goal-setting sessions with people, we make sure we try to tick as many of those main boxes ourselves, whether it is business and, and career, whether it's financial independence, whether it's health and fitness, or whether it's family and relationships, and sure, we add in some personal development or spirituality. We try to tick all those boxes. And I, when one side's out of sync, it's like, hey, man, you need to have a few more things on your family relationships. We've talked this whole time about business career, or maybe we need to focus on health and fitness. And I think that balance and, of course, Balance is never really, we're not really perfectly in balance with all four areas of our life. It's more like a seesaw, right? You're going up on some, you're trying to always trying to work between the two. But I use balance in that way of the, the seesaw kind of balance is that we're always moving around it. And this is where coaches, good coaches, qualified, trained, professional coaches are able to question their clients and make sure they are in some sort of balance in all those areas and that they're asking the right questions that's, that's going to uncover what their dreams and aspirations are in all those areas uh, and not be afraid to hold them accountable. Hey, it's been a while since we've talked about your family stuff. What, what goals do you have in your family? It's, it's completely okay to have goals, have family goals, have relationship goals. What do you want your marriage to look like still in 20 years time? Great. Let's actually put a goal in place. What can we do monthly, weekly to make sure that we can still have that marriage in, in, in 20 years? Maybe I'm taking the, the romantic side out of it a little bit, but if we have those goals, we can start to work out some hey, habits and routines we can do to make sure that we stay in line with that, opposed to all those areas. So let's aim to have success in all those areas, but let's enjoy our winning the day successes along the way as well. It's no fun being a multimillionaire and being completely miserable, is it? You want to be happy too. So I, my question is, with all the people that you work with and talk to about these sorts of things, who are the happiest? The ones that are happiest are the ones that know what they're driving for. The ones that are happiest know that when the going gets tough, they know where that light at the end of the tunnel looks like, or they know that they're moving towards that light at the end of the tunnel. The ones that, that are happiest feel that they've got a, a definite purpose that they've identified and they've broken down into daily steps or into weekly steps that they're moving towards that purpose. It's the personal growth thing. It's identifying that purpose, striving, moving towards it. There was a book I read or was it a study or something that was talking about happiness and it was 
moving forward. It was people feeling like they are moving forward. And, and I think that uh, a lot of the time when people come to me, they are already striving. They are already moving forward. Uh, they might be feeling overwhelmed with too much going on and not knowing how to prioritize things. But most of them, like I, I can't coach people that are told by their boss, you need a coach. That doesn't work. They need to want to come there, want, want to come to me. And, and so we uncover what is that thing that they're striving towards? How do we make them happy that they're moving towards it? And even maybe identifying what that thing is to start with, because I find that so many people mm. don't know what they want. That's where the, the goal setting comes in. And I try to make my goal setting exercises as simple as possible. Brian Tracy told me something and it hasn't been published anywhere um, or apart from me now, <laughs> but he has this thing called the 10 by 10 goal setting challenge. And I've now made it 10 by five because, you know, 20 years ago, people could be dedicated enough to spend 10 days doing one thing. Uh, nowadays, people, it tends to be everything's five day challenges. But uh, the idea is that you write down 10 goals on day one. And then on day two, you write down 10 goals again, but you don't look at day one. So then over the course of 10 days, bubbling out of your, sub your subconscious, you find that those 10 goals at the end of the 10 days are quite different to those 10 goals that you had at the beginning. I've simplified that even further, though, and I say just to get people started, minimal viral dose of, hey, just write down 10 things you want to be, do, have. Write down one word, write down two or three words. We don't need to have deadlines. We don't need to have timelines. We don't need to have any of that sort of stuff. Just 10 things you want to be, do, have. That's day one. Day two, if you're doing the 10-day program, it is do the same again. Just don't look at the day before. Then day three, we might say, hey, why don't we put some, maybe just put a general date to this. Day four, the same. Day five, it's like, if you don't have anything in health and fitness, maybe put something there. If you don't have anything in relationships, maybe put something in there. Let's do those 10 again. And then it goes on and on. And then we start to work out, we get our list of 10 at the end, and then we have a call. And then I'll show them how to break that down in actionable steps or put it into a bit of a life map and those sort of things. And I actually put that together in, in a very short ebook that also talks about the neuroscience behind goal setting. What are we doing when we write down these goals? Uh, what are the mechanisms that have been um, that are lighting up in our brain that are helping us? actually start to achieve it? Is it the reticular activating system? Is it the dopamine effect that we're putting into place here? And Brian had had stories of people would do this 10 by 10, they put their goals away, they'd come and see him 10 years later, and they've achieved a majority of those goals. I think he's even done a famous YouTube where he just talks about people to write down 10 goals. He doesn't talk about the 10 by 10 at that time, but they'll come back and they've got all these brain systems have been activated through this 10 days, through unlocking all, all these pieces to the puzzle, I guess, and uh, they get fantastic results. So yeah, I just into a little ebook and showed them why it works because people can be skeptical about, well, this goal stuff is all woo-woo or it's like, oh, it's too hard. I don't know how to do it. Well, I've tried to get rid of all that, make it so people that think it's woo-woo, that here's the brain science, make people think it's too hard, goals are too hard, takes too long to write goals. I, I never do them right anyway. I'll see some other guru talk talking about, well, goals should be positive affirmation types or something. And so, no, let's just get rid of all that. Let's just write down 10 things you want to be, do, have. Let's just get started. Ben, tell us about the book, the name of the book, and how can people get it? So I'll have a link um, that, that I can share with you guys. It'll probably look something like uh, wintheday.com.au forward slash resilient entrepreneurs in one word. I'll have the ebook on there um, as a download. I think you need to click on a link and put in some details in, in there as well. I used to charge for the ebook. Uh, now it's completely free when people are, are reaching me through podcasts. So even though it might have credit card details, you skip that, press grab it now or something and, and they can get that ebook. On my side, I've got a bunch of other templates as well, which help break things down. Yeah, it's called the Positive 
productivity guidebook. Uh, I've gone through a few different names. It used to be called the Remarkable 10 by 10 Challenge. Um, but it. if they go to my website, winthedaycomau uh, they'll, they'll find it. Fantastic. Thank you, Ben. That's the beauty of an ebook. You get to change the title whenever you fancy. So, yeah. and, um, and the price whenever you fancy too. And the price. <laughs> Thank you for that very generous offer, by the way. I'm sure our audience will be most grateful for that. I certainly am. Um, might as well also tell us a bit more about the app you've been alluding to. Is that uh, also yes. on your so, website? It is, but it's actually only downloadable for my clients. So we've built an app using monday.com uh, and we're in current development of a completely standalone app that, that people can join and they can do like chat-based coaching, bringing in AI, that sort of stuff. But I'm really focusing on my high-performance clients now. So they basically get a login to the app. They, they get it all sent. Uh, they, they get form sent through to them, whether it's on their uh, productivity tracker, whether it's their habits tracker or just the weekly review. And what they're able to see is all the responses they get get mapped over time. So, so we can see that, hey, when my health, sleep, and fitness is taking a dip, what's going on with my productivity? Oh, but hang on a sec. Health, sleep, and fitness is taking a dip at my routine teens up well my productivity is still up oh what's going on there or it might be my capacity level has been at 150 percent there's a trigger for me to go hey man we need to start to talk about some delegation you can't be at 100 percent because your health sleep fitness is dipping so we can see over we've had it going now for i think about nine months and now we're getting historical data or evidence as such of what someone's journey looks like and we can see when they have those dips we can then go into the questions that i've asked and go what set up that dip? What was that obstacle that you were dealing with six months ago that set that dip up? The same dip you're going into now. Oh, what was that? Ah, oh, you're going down those YouTube rabbit holes again. <laughs> we need to get off that. Or it might just be that you're, you're, you're taking on too many shiny objects or something along those lines. So we can normally uncover that. And so we're just building up a lot of data there. That's going to feed an AI coach basically with that, that data, the way that I do things. And we're going to be developing a, a chat bot as such, but it's not going to be a standard sort of chat GPT chat bot. It's going to be a chat bot that talks the way I do, that responds the same way I do, that, that gets people to cut out on their BS. It's, it's like asking the tough questions. It's going, well, why is that? Well, why is that? Well, why is that? What's the, what, what's the very next step that you can take? All that sort of stuff is going to feed into it. And we've got the data that we can take now to, to see on, on how to steer that sort of chatbot as well. So yeah, fair few things going on there. But at the moment, it, it is just for my clients, but they are loving it. It's, it's really proving the amount of time spent to put it together. It's really starting to show. And it's sticky. Like people, when they get six months of, of historical data, they're like, yeah, I think we're going to stay with you, Ben. I'm kind of liking this. You're getting great results, but I can see all this. It's, it's also sticky. So that, that, that helps me out as well. Mm. It's, it's generating value, right? Absolutely. And Huge. what a great use of AI and technology. I, I think it's going to be game changing. And who, who knows what? Down the line, it might be a, an avatar of me speaking to people. I hope so. Yeah. I love it. Because I think in the world of AI, we're huge fans of it, of course, in marketing. But I don't want to lose the humanity and I think if you can somehow bring the two, marry the two together in a, in a beautiful way, I think we will want to take it further faster. I'm super excited for that app. That sounds mm. absolutely incredible. It sounds game changing uh, for a lot of people yeah. and making coaching accessible for more people, I'm sure is, is just going to benefit the whole. This has been such a great conversation. And of course, I want to ask you one last question. Uh, we are resilient entrepreneurs, yeah. so we must talk a little bit about the word resilience. But I'd love to ask, in your opinion, how does one become resilient? What does it take? 
takes trials and tribulations. It takes those failures. It takes that positive mindset, though, when you have your failures and what you can learn from them. I've spoken to a lot of military leaders, had a chance to, to work with them as well about how to generate resilience among their teams. I think we can all agree that resilience is an extremely important part of the military. The sort of stuff that they have to do, think about the Australian bush, living out in the Australian bush, sleeping on little on little rollies in the dirt, doing all the sort of stuff that they need to do. It takes an incredible amount of resilience and uh, how they're able to unlock that. And they put their troops through uh, trials and tribulations. They get team bonding in there. Uh, they work out ways that when one guy's down, another guy's going to help pick them up. They, they're covering their mates. They're doing all that sort of stuff. They're training them uh, in habits. In, in order to do all the things that they need to do throughout the course of a day, it cannot work if you don't have drills and habits that are absolutely ingrained into you, building into routines, fantastic strategy and planning that's sort of built into that as well. And that all helps generate that resilience. And you've got to go through that hard yakka to be able to see what you're made of, to be able to learn how to push through. And sometimes we need to go through the really, really hard stuff and you've got a coach or you've got someone there that's going to help you get through that and tell you, no, you're only at 80%. No, you're only at 90%. You've got more in you. And someone who's able to help them through that, that's going to stretch them like the muscle analogy. It's going to stretch them and it's going to show them actually what they're capable of. And I think that experience from knowing what they can do in those situations is going to build that resilience. They need to have some feedback loop, though, to remind them of what they've done, whether it's a weekly review or something along those lines that's going to help remind them and help them pushing forward. So, hey, man, what you achieved over the last couple of weeks, like, I think you've got a little bit more in you, but that that was, I know there's some bad beats. Hey, what, what little things can we take away from that that we can apply to next week? And the next week's going to go better. And that's resilience from the previous week to now this week, you're achieving more. And I think if we can think of it from that way, uh, but also understand that you're not going to get the resilience without having those trials and tribulations, but also having that sort of positive mindset with a North Star, a very clear mission. That's another thing that, that the military leaders have, right? They have a very clear mission, a very clear objective and multiple checkpoints and milestones along the way as well. And so when you're trying to get the resilience, like we're just going to go to this and do this thing. We're going to go to this next checkpoint to the next part. And this is the way we achieve the mission on, on these milestones. And everyone knows what step they play along the way. And I think that in order to develop our resilience, it's yep, the trials, tribulations, but it's knowing what the North store is, the milestones, breaking it down into those little steps and just achieving those little steps. And whether it's weekly, whether it's daily, having that review as well to know that we are achieving them and we are moving forward. It might be a little bit, but incremental improvements generate exponential results and we can get them to do that. That was amazing. I love the way you've just summed up our entire conversation so perfectly and the incredible advice for entrepreneurs because it's all right there. Exactly what you're saying, having the purpose, taking the action, small steps, building habits, going through the trials and tribulations to know what you're made of because there's yeah. nothing like entrepreneurship to find out what you're made of. <laughs> I say it's the best personal development you'll ever have because oh, you, betcha. you have to, right? You just have to go for it. And that's how we build resilience and keep going because it's our mission at 241 and at Resilient Entrepreneurs that entrepreneurs never quit because we know what it takes. You got to keep going. You got to keep pushing. So we're on that mission. That's our North Star. So that's what we're here to do is why we bring guests like Ben, to you, to tell you these great things, to motivate you um, and help you build your discipline muscles. Ben, thank you so much. This was an amazing conversation. I really appreciate your time. 
Definitely want to talk to you more about the app one day. So perhaps you get keep in touch. Let us know when it's launched. We'd love to share a little bit more about that because I think that's super exciting. Um, so best of yeah. luck on that. And thanks for joining That'll us. That'll be great. Thank you. And I've just given myself some additional accountability here. I've just told everyone what I'm doing. I've told you guys what I'm doing. You're going to be following up with me. Ben, when's this app coming out? It's gone out to thousands of people. All right, we're going to have to do it. Absolutely. And I have no doubt that you will. Very exciting. Best of luck on that.